If you're just joining us, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're watching online, again, that's still me. I'm John, the lead pastor here. And we're just really glad that you are watching. And we are in a series called So What About? And tonight, we're actually going to be talking, we'll talk a little bit more about what the series is about and whatnot. But tonight, we're going to be talking about science. And so I asked our uh, resident scientist to join me on stage. Is, is it on? No. You're Luke. You have Luke. Yeah, there I you do. go. Thank you, This, this is our resident scientist, Aaron Fiedler. I don't, I don't think that's, well, I do, You're I teach, yeah, that's my day yeah. job. I teach science at a teach middle science. school. Teach science. What school do you teach? At? Leslie Middle School. Woo! I teach go. sixth grade. Go Lions. Roar! That's cool. So today. Okay. So, so you're going to gonna science us. Yeah, I think, first of all, you should really put these on. Oh. Because glasses aren't going to be enough to protect you from what Can you're about to experience. No. Yeah, it's double safety. It's like, why would you wear one seatbelt when you could wear one seatbelt? Or two seatbelts. Two seatbelts. Seat yeah. Safety yeah. first. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to have you hold this, too. Okay. This is for you. This is a... a the world. It's the We're world. in church, though, so why is it round? We'll talk about that later. So next, <laughs> we'll come back to that question. later. We have Ye Oli Leaf Blower, thanks to my next-door neighbor, Cindy. Ours is not quite as strong. Okay. So what we're trying to do here is like a demonstration. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear. I've got my cords mixed up here. Do you need help? Do this? Yeah, that's why you're here. Oh, okay, great. So is I'm this turn current? This Does thing it say on. USSR? No, good. Uh, is it? Oh, I didn't no, know. No, you're, you're fine. Okay, can't, can't see it for a word as a mic. Yep. Anyway. Stay ejected. So nope, no what we're going to do is we're going to turn the leaf blower on. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens with this, with this beach ball. So this is some kind of experiment. Yeah, it's, it's, my kid asked me that too. It's more like a demonstration. Okay. I don't know what the difference is. Are you going to be standing up on stage or? I'm going to go down here. Okay. That's a good question. And everyone's like wondering what's going to happen. I didn't want to light the church on fire today. So I had to scale back some of my earlier dreams of, you know, like, Fiery dragons flying through the sky. Oh, uh, um, yeah. What's that movie again? With the yeah, we're renting, so don't do that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna turn this on, and then you're gonna you're gonna kind of place the the ball like. No, which way should it go? Uh, I don't think it matters actually. We're gonna, we're gonna do we're gonna you know do it with like Asia Asia Asian centric. Okay, good. And then you're gonna put it like, yay. Yeah. And I'm gonna turn this should on, I, and you're gonna now? just kind of let go. Yeah, you can. Okay. This is like it's going. You can let go. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. It actually works. Oh. oh, my gosh. You can actually turn it at an angle a little bit. So, like, I can walk out. Oh, oh. I fell off. I need help. John Case and Sam are going to help us so out. Do again? again? Yeah. yeah. We'll put it right over John's head. See if we can put it right over John's head. And then bring it back. <laughs> so we can bring it back. Yeah. Wow. That's... That was cool, right? And then you can turn it off and, like, kick it into the crowd and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So... Thank, yeah, let's let's hear it oh, for the math scientist. Science. So why? <laughs> why does that work? Uh, because I said so. What, no, like, um, what's that called? Is that a thing? No, that's just the parent general coming. Uh, Bernoulli's <laughs> principle. So, air is a fluid, like water, kind of. Uh -huh. If you could imagine yourself kind of like swimming through the water, but in this case, the high speed of the air coming out of the leaf blower actually creates a column of low pressure air because the fluid is moving quicker than the stuff around it, other fluid. So every time the beach ball tries to get out of it, like the high pressure pushes it back in. 
That's cool. So that's pretty rad. Wow. Science! And yeah, Bernoulli, oh. there's a bunch of math involved that I don't know. So We don't talk about math here. We don't talk about, I don't either. I don't like <laughs> I'm math. just a science teacher. <laughs> yeah, so that's Bernoulli's principle. It's kind of fun. If you have a leaf blower and a beach ball, or if you actually have a ping pong ball and a hair dryer, which most people have, you can do this in your bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in there? Oh, Nothing. it's, it's, it's Bernoulli's principle. Yeah. Studying fluids and whatnot. <laughs> you don't want to say that. Gillian. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Just like my Thanks, sixth buddy. grade. Thank you. Thank you. Let's hear it for Aaron. <laughs> Is that so? Do you have to go to like get a degree to get the coat? No, it just helps. Oh, okay. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. No, I. No, it's okay. And if I wear that, it'll look like a dress, which isn't. I mean, that's okay, but I just don't feel comfortable. Yep. Bye, Aaron. Thank you. So that was science. Hope you enjoyed yourselves. Next week, what we're talking about. Just kidding. Um, so that was cool. We're going to talk about science today. But before we get into science, I want to talk about belief. Because you're at a church, we need to talk about belief, right? Well, here's what I know. We talked about this last week. If you were here or if you watched online, we talked about how we all believe something. right? Whether, whether you have religious beliefs, whether you have... Um, uh, philosophical beliefs, whatever reason you have for getting out of bed in the morning, whatever reason you have for saying, hey, that wasn't right, you have some type of belief system in some way. And since we all believe something, that means we all also, we also, also all doubt things. We all have doubts. We're all skeptics. Because to believe one thing means you need to be skeptical of something else, right? You need to be asking questions. You need to have doubts. In fact, that's good. It's, it's healthy to search for truth and not just be like, you know, I feel like this is right, so I'm going to... No, we're looking for truth. And one, one of the things that we really believe here at Cross Creek is that, you know, asking questions is the key to growth. Asking questions is good. In fact, we could say asking the right questions. You could even you could write that in if you're taking notes. Asking the right questions is the key to growth. Because if you're not asking, if you're not searching, if you're not doubting, then what are you doing? You're just kind of staying who you are. You know, maybe your, your, your family told you one thing and you just said, well, that's, that's what I believe. Why? I mean, I, I heard one of, the, one of the other pastors that I follow online, he says, you know, most of us are three good questions away from changing our belief system from our current belief system falling apart because we haven't really thought through it. So that's why we're doing this. That's why we're asking tough questions. And maybe, you know, whether you grew up in a religious home, whether you didn't grow up in a religious home, you know, maybe asking questions wasn't always encouraged in your home. In mine it was. I was, I was lucky to have a home where I could ask any question I wanted and I, there was a thoughtful answer until it was like, you know what, let's play the quiet game. You guys ever play the quiet game? Yeah, my, my kids usually lose right away. But here's the thing, you know, a lot of times, maybe even, maybe some of you used to go to church as a kid, and you had questions, and either you didn't get good answers, or you were, you were told to stop asking those questions. And maybe that's why you haven't been to church in 20, 30 years. We want to change that. We want to be a place where you can ask those questions, where you're safe, where we can explore those questions. And so that's why we're doing this series that we're calling, So What About? Because there are questions that I think need to be asked about Christianity. There's questions that need to be asked about the world. And I think there, if, if, if we ask the right questions, if we explore, we can grow. We can know better what we, what we believe, 
And we can grow better just as people, becoming well-rounded, well-rounded people. And so we're doing a six-part series. This is part two. It's based on a book called The Problem of God by a guy named Mark Clark. Uh, you can, you can you know, go to Amazon and, and buy the book. Uh, but The Problem of God by Mark Clark. And we're kind of loosely basing this series around his, his book. And as we're going through the series, last week we, when we started it, we laid a ground rule. And I want to keep this ground rule going throughout this series. But here's, here's what I'd like all of us to agree on. You, don't, you, know, you can say, okay, I'll, you don't have to. I won't know. But here's, what, here's our ground rule for this series. We're going to follow where the evidence leads, not where we hope it leads. Right? If we're truly asking the right questions, then we need, need, need to truly be open to what the evidence says. Not just looking at the evidence that we like, you know, not ignoring the evidence we don't like that's kind of, you know, rubs against us. We're like, hey, you know what? I, I was taught differently and that makes me uncomfortable. No. Let's look at truth. Let's follow where the evidence leads, not where we hope it leads. And then our second kind of sub-ground rule was be cool. Right? <laughs> Respect each other. A lot of times, you know, in, if you grew up in church and you had this type of series talking about science and that type of stuff, it was always like, okay, now when your neighbor says this about evolution, well, you hit him with that. We are not trying to argue with anybody, all right? We're not trying to poke holes in theories. We are trying to have a conversation of following the evidence, all right? So be cool. There's no arguing. In fact, that argument you had on Facebook, don't use this message and then paste it to, like, the comment section, okay? You are not allowed to do that. That's not why I'm here. I will not be a part of it anyway. Okay. So last week, if you, if you missed it, uh, you can go back online to yourcrosscreek.com and where it says discover, it can, you can click uh, watch a message. But uh, last week, we talked about um, basically the evidence for the existence of God, a very light, easy topic, right? We had fun. Everybody was like, oh yeah, that's great. But what we asked was this, what evidence supports your belief? We all believe something. So what evidence supports that belief? And we looked at different evidences or proofs for God's existence. But as we were talking about that, I sensed, and I sensed it from you online too, that there was this, this elephant in the room, right? And if you were here, the elephant wasn't the glaring typo when it was cosmology, but it said cosmetology instead. The person who did that has been fired, and we are moving on. I'm just kidding. We, we celebrate grace here. So we do know how to spell cosmology, but we, anyway, so that wasn't the elephant. And nobody pointed it out while I'm teaching, so I'm up here teaching about, you know, things I think I know, and we got a huge typo on the screen. Thanks, friends. It's okay. If you missed it, well, you should have been here. But there was, there was something going on, I think, that I think was making some people uncomfortable. That, you know, while I was using scientific data to talk about the existence of God, there was this elephant in the room. And here's, here's what I think was going on, because we've all seen it. There is a war going on. Whether you, whether you put it in those words or not, there is a war. Science and faith are at war, and they have always been at war. See, on one side, you have people like uh, Richard Dawkins, who says faith is like a mental illness. Right? And, and on his team, you have a guy like Sam Harris, who says, we have names for people who have many beliefs for which there's no rational justification. When their beliefs are extremely common, we call them religious. Otherwise, they're likely to be called mad, delusional, or psychotic. 
Maybe some of you have, have read that, and you're like, yes, that totally makes sense. On that side, maybe you have, you know, we'll call her Aunt Atheist, right? Who says, we've, you know, we've reached the point in our evolution where we've basically, we've outgrown God. Like a child outgrows toys, right? That's, we've, we've finally gotten to the point where we don't need this religious baggage and all the stuff that comes with that. So that's one side. On the other side, you have people like, we'll, we'll call him Uncle Christian, you know, it says that if, if you don't believe the earth is 6,000 years old, you're going to hell. You know all those fossils that the scientists find? Yet they were put there as a test from Satan. There weren't real dinosaurs. That's just a test to see who the true believers are. Right? And in fact, if you do yoga, you're going to hell. If you voted for Bernie Sanders, guess what? You're going to hell. That's Uncle Christian. Right? Those are your two sides that we see. And you, you have to pick one. We are at war. There's no neutral ground in a war. You got to pick a side. You better choose because science and faith cannot exist. They cannot coexist. Now, here's the truth. Here's the reality. Something I think we, maybe you haven't heard before. The war between science and faith is a cultural myth. It's not real. There is no war between science and faith. You know, these, these sound bites, these things, they make for like, like fun sound bites and makes for a really fun time around Easter when the news wants to do like this story on Jesus, but then they, you know, they get these, they want to stoke up this fight, this war that doesn't exist. You know, it makes this, believing in this war and picking one of those extreme sides is nice and easy for people who don't want to, you know, follow their own evidence, don't want to look for themselves, but they'd rather be like, you know, I, oh, I watched a YouTube video and it said, you know, well, they're obviously wrong because they believe this. Or, you know, oh, I, I read this, you know, I read this thread on Reddit and now I, you know, I believe this. But they didn't want to do their, they, they didn't want to do their own research. But this war is not real. Because if you think about it, truth is rarely found in the, in the extreme fringes of either or. You rarely find truth on the extreme. It's either this or it's this. Pick one doesn't work that way. See, now, what I want to talk about is this. What if science and faith were actually not just able to coexist, but what if they build on one another in a beautiful and logical symmetry? What if? See, I believe they can. I, do, I believe they, they build on each other. But I think first, in order to see it, we have to really work at debunking this myth that we've all grown up with in our culture, that science and faith are at war. And so we have to look at where this myth came from, where this mythical war came from. Why is it so ingrained in our culture? And I think it comes from three different uh, but very common misconceptions. We're going to talk about all three. The first misconception is Christianity is anti-science. Then you can't believe both science and you can't believe in both science and God. And we're going to talk about how the other misconception is that science disproves God. And we're going to talk about them one at a time. So it's going to feel a little bit more like, you know, Professor John is up here lecturing a little bit. Don't ask questions, it'll throw me off my notes. I'll get really confused. But we want to have a, I'm calling it a conversation, but I have the microphone, so. It's going to feel a little bit more like class, I think. But let's talk about misconception number one. Christianity is anti-science. And here's the story that maybe, maybe you heard in school. Maybe you, 
you know, you read online or you saw in a video online that Christianity is anti-science. Here's the story. The church, the church, right, the big church, from the very beginning persecuted scientists, tried to silence people like Copernicus, Galileo, Bruno, even burning some of these scientists at the stake because of their scientific beliefs. They were saying the earth was round when clearly the church taught the earth was flat. And how dare you go against what the church teaches. And the sun, these scientists were teaching that the sun didn't go around the earth. And therefore the earth wasn't the center of the universe. But the Bible said it was the center of the universe. So they were challenging the church's beliefs about creation. So they burned them at the stake and they tortured them and they were always at war. Here's what a very well-respected medieval scientific historian, I don't know how you become that, that specific of a specialist, but David Lindbergh, a great historian of ancient science, said there was no warfare between science and the church. It's a myth. In fact, historians agree that the science versus religion story is actually an 18th century fabrication. So what actually happened with these people? Well, Giordano Bruno, a scientist, was actually executed by the Catholic Church, but not because of his scientific views. He was found guilty of theological heresies about what the church taught about the Trinity, hell, the divinity of Jesus. Now, is that good that he was executed because of his theological belief? No. That's evil, and we will talk about evil and suffering in a couple of weeks. But the reason the church executed him was not because of his scientific views, it was because of his theological views. Horrible, yes, but it had nothing to do with a war between science and religion. Galileo, we all know who Galileo was. He was actually a friend of the church most of his life. He even met with the Pope many times. Now, he did become more critical of the church, and he was persecuted for a time, and the, the, part of that persecution was he had to recant some of his heliocentric views that, you know, saying, well, the, saying the earth goes around the sun instead of vice versa. But he was never tortured. He was never put in a dungeon. In fact, for most of his life, after, after he had that trial and whatnot, he was still able to study, and he published scientific works talking about his discoveries in astronomy. And then he died of natural causes. The church did not put him to death. See, another part of this misconception about the war between the, the church and scientists was that, you know, the church believed, the Bible taught that the earth was flat. And then they attacked anyone who said otherwise. That's simply not true. The church never taught that. In fact, from the time of the ancient Greeks, everyone knew the earth was round. Now, that's kind of changing these days for some reason online. But from the time of the ancient Greeks, they would see ships out on the horizon, and they would realize that the sails would appear before the rest of the ship, showing that it was coming up over this curve, that the earth was actually round. Nobody believed the earth was flat at that time. Nobody got persecuted for saying that the earth was round. It was, it's just a myth. It actually didn't happen. In fact, uh, Oxford professor Alistair McGrath says this, The idea that science and religion are in perpetual conflict is no longer taken seriously by any major historian of science. It's not real. 
I got a quiz for you. Since we're doing, you know, since we're doing college work here, we're thinking hard. What historical, don't answer, answer in your head, but what historical worldview, what historical culture gave birth to modern science? Was it Mesopotamia? Does it go back to Greece or Rome or China or Central America or India? Here's the truth. Christian theology gave birth to modern science. Christian theology gave birth to modern science. They weren't at war. Christianity gave birth to modern science. See, Christian theology was the only worldview, the only philosophy or religion of the ancient world that actually presented the world as having distinct form, complexity, and design, and therefore could be logically, rationally studied. See, they believed that if there is a creator God who is unchanging, who created the universe with order and laws, then an experiment done today will have the same result as an experiment done 100 years ago. So when they first invented the leaf blower, the ball floated. Now, 50 years later, the ball still floats. Why? Because there are natural laws. There's an order to the universe. What worked yesterday still works. That's why we have the scientific method of experimentation. If the world was just always changing, there was no form or anything, why would you even do science? It wouldn't make any sense. Well, right now it works, but tomorrow it won't. It's pointless. That's why we have the scientific method. See, all other worldviews either said, you know, nature itself was divine, and therefore you, you can't subject this divine nature to analysis. You can't be objective with it because, you know, those, those plants that you're experimenting on, those are gods, so why? you can't do that. Or, you know, they said the universe is just an illusion, and therefore studying it is pointless. You know, it's just, it's just part of our consciousness, so why would you study it? Or they said, you know, all natural events are simply actions of the gods, so what is lightning? Well, we don't need to study that. Zeus or Thor are mad. That's what lightning is. Stop asking questions. See, it was only Christianity that had the, the, um, the, the philosophy that you could study this orderly world. And yes, some great civilizations like Mesopotamia, India, China, Egypt, Greece, Rome, the Aztecs, the Incas, they all made some great significant advances but none of them had the proper philosophical framework necessary to bring about the experimental mindset for modern science. They just didn't. See, Christianity challenges us to experiment because it believes there is order and uniformity to the universe. It believes that there is a creator who gave us rational minds in order to investigate and discover truth. And maybe in discovering that truth, you can discover the creator himself. And that's what gave birth to our modern scientific method, to our modern view of science. So misconception number two, we're just gonna keep rolling here. Misconception number two, you can't believe in both science and God. I mean, you've, you've heard it, right? Science is based on truth and evidence. Faith is based on hopeful thinking and legend. Science is a search for objective evidence that leads humanity forward. But faith, you know, it just, it looks back to ancient teachings, outmoded holy books, and irrational conclusions in the face of overwhelming evidence. They don't mesh. You can't have both. In fact, you know, if you are a Jack Black fan and you watch Nacho Libre, 
the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, his friend saying, I believe in science, right? You can't have both. Either you believe in God or you believe in science. It's not true. In our culture, you think, a sci- well, scientists don't believe in God, right? In, in, in my, um, in my uh, religious school that I was brought up in, not in my home, but in the school I went to, you know, it, they didn't come right, right out and say this, but the feeling you got was that scientists were the enemy. And they were creating evolution in order just because they hated God and they just wanted some other answer. And so they're your enemy and you have to disprove them. It's not true. Scientists, here's the, here's the truth. Many scientists believe faith and science are completely compatible. You actually can have both. It is possible. A great example is a scientist named Francis Collins. Maybe you've heard of him. He's, he led the human genome product, the, the, the project, the human genome project, the group of people that, uh, whose job was to identify and map all of the genes of the human genome. He, he later wrote a book called The Language of God. A scientist presents evidence for belief. Because of his study, because of his research, because of his experimentation, science actually led him toward belief in God, not away from it. In fact, I found an interesting poll. It's from 2009, so it's a little you know, older, but I think, it still, I think it still fits. A 2009 poll by the American Association for the Advancement of Science. They polled scientists, which is kind of a, a loose, a broad term, right? So they, they polled people who, you know, mathematicians, astronomers, psychologists, everybody who kind of fits under this science category. They, they polled all their members, and they actually found out that 51% of scientists believe in some form of deity or higher power. 51%. In the hard sciences, like astronomy, biology, chemistry, the belief was actually higher than 51%. In the softer sciences, like psychology, sociology, it was lower. So the people that are, the scientists that are studying nature, the the hard facts, the data, they actually are more likely to believe in some type of higher power, some type of deity. And in fact, the poll actually found out that 31% of these scientists polled believe in a personal God. Not just some power, but a personal God that you can discover and know. See, you can have high regard for science. You can work in science and still have a strong belief in God, which I think takes us to our third misconception, that science disproves God, right? We don't, we don't need to believe in God anymore. We have science. We know all the reasons for, you know, the superstitions that people had, like, you know, lightning and thunder and, you know, why, why it snows and all that. People used to believe it was the work of a deity. Now we know why. We know air pressure. We know air currents and all that kind of thing. We don't need God anymore. Science has disproven God. Well, here's, here's the truth. If God exists, just give me that, right? I'm not saying you have to totally believe in God. You don't even have to believe in the God of the Bible. You don't have to believe that Jesus was God. We do. There's a reason for that. We can talk about that later. But if a God exists, then he's outside of what science can evaluate. If there really is a God Science isn't created to evaluate that. See, science studies the natural 
physical world. Experimental science studies the world through the scientific method that we talked about, right? Repeatable, unbiased experimentation. But the existence of God, whether it is a God or not, who put all this together or not, that's not a physical question. That's a metaphysical question, right? Meta meaning outside of. It's a question outside of the physical world. If there's a creator God, he is outside of the physical world. In fact, Stephen Jay Gould, a celebrated atheist, evolutionary biologist, paleontologist, and historian of science, was getting really tired of scientists saying, oh, we can disprove God with science. In fact, he said this, nature just is. We cannot use nature for our moral instruction or for answering any question within the magisterium of religion. To say it to my colleagues for the umpteenth millionth time, he's getting frustrated. Science simply cannot, by its legitimate methods, adjudicate for the issue of God's possible superintendence of nature. We neither affirm nor deny it. We simply cannot comment on it as scientists. That's not the point of science. You can't use physics to prove a medical, meta, a metaphysical being doesn't exist. It's outside of physics. But as we saw last week, it could be helpful in giving us some evidence, giving us some clues that we can kind of all bring together that shows us maybe he does exist. But to say categorically there is no God because science proves it doesn't make sense because that's not what science is for. Science is for studying the natural world. In fact, here's what Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. This guy who was a Christian hater turned uh, church uh, planter, leader of the ancient church. Here's what he said about science and faith. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. They can go hand in hand. Science, studying nature, studying why things work, studying you know, why the oceans have currents, and all that kind of stuff. Studying, you know, okay, how old are these dinosaurs? What, what was with them? All that kind of stuff can actually lead us to God. Science is not the enemy of faith. In fact, I think science is one of the means by which we can look at nature and learn about God. Now, there's, there's objections to this, as you might assume. Right? One of the, probably the biggest objection to everything I've just said is this. In evolutionary theory, right, religion is just something we invented in order to survive. This whole thing, like, we have, you know, maybe you've heard the thing, like, we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart. Well, we have that feeling because it was part of our evolutionary process where our ancestors couldn't understand the natural world and so they came up with these reasons of why, you know, why it rains, why does why do the seasons come back? Why does the sun come up instead of, you know, just staying down and all that kind of stuff. And so that helped them cope, that helped them survive, and as, you know, time went on, we just kind of kept that in our evolutionary DNA. And it's, you, we can't, you know, it's not, it doesn't mean there is a God, it's just part of how we evolved, right? In fact, if, if survival is key in this, then truth doesn't matter in survival, right? Whatever makes you survive, that's what you believe and that's what you stick with. So truth takes a back seat to survival, right, in the evolutionary theory. So why can we trust that, you know, we have all these feelings about God and we see, we see things we can't explain and so we say, oh, God did it. 
Why do we do that? Because our ancestors did, and it helped them survive. So we've evolved with this idea that of a metaphysical deity because it helped our ancestors make sense of the world. So we can't trust our thinking when it comes to God. It doesn't tell us truth. It's just part of how we developed, right? It's just part of our survival instincts. Here's a flaw to that. And when I, when I, when I read this, I had to... I, I'm not as smart as I try to make myself look. I had to read it like 10 times to really understand why that doesn't work. See, if we can't trust our rational minds to tell us about God, because it's just you know, an evolutionary process for survival, it's just simply an inherited way of thinking that's not based on objective truth. If we can't trust our rational minds to tell us about God, then we can't trust our minds to tell us the truth of anything. Because anything we think is true is, just comes from that survival instinct, including evolutionary theory. It's a logical contradiction, right? If we just de- evolved our religious beliefs because of survival and religion makes sense to us because of our ancestors, then everything that we've learned, everything that we trust, everything that we think is logical is only logical because it helped our ancestors, including evolutionary theory. I'm not bashing evolutionary theory. I'm just saying that argument does not work. It's a logical contradiction. So here's the thing. Science answers the how, not the who and the why. Science attempts to answer the how. That's the job of science. But it doesn't answer the who or the why. So for you... And you're safe. I'm not going to make you, you know, dance around or anything. But for you, how do you answer who and why? Who? We know the laws of nature are there. In fact, as we talked about last week, the, the, you know, the, the laws of physics had to exist before the Big Bang for the Big Bang to actually work. They're there. The universe has a beginning. The universe is orderly and can be studied. Who made it that way? Something had to come before in order to put all this together for it to work. Who was it? That's outside of science. And then why? Think about it. Why is there something instead of nothing? Why do you watch the news? And you feel like this is not how life is supposed to be. This is not what the world is supposed to be like. Why? Where did that come from? Why do you wish, especially if you're watching online, why do you wish you could believe this? Why do you wish you you would allow yourself to believe this? What is that? But for now, here's here's our main point for tonight. Fact-based science is not at war with faith-based religion. Fact-based science is not at war with faith-based religion. Christianity is not anti-science, but rather it's the garden out of which modern science bloomed. Science and faith do not need to be mutually exclusive. In fact, they are beautifully complementary. Brilliant men and women for centuries, have found that the deeper they dig into science, into the natural world, into philosophy even, the, the more they find evidence that points 
toward God, not away. See, science, like I said, seeks to answer how. But as we continue, if you come back the next few weeks and we start talking more about you know, the philosophical side and theological side of these types of questions, here's what I think you'll find out. Only, only Christianity rationally answers who and why. If you find that offensive, come back because we're going to have some fun. That's a good sign. That means you're not believing everything I'm saying, and I want you here. You want to be here. It's going to be a fun ride. We're going to answer a lot of great questions. Next week, we're going to talk about the Bible and why is it such a big deal and how can you trust it and all that kind of stuff. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, if you exist, will you in your own way show each of us personally this week? I believe you do exist. I believe I'm not talking to air. And I think I have logical reasons for that. Thank you for giving us logical minds, rational minds. Thank you for leaving evidence and showing us that we can study and that we can find you through using all of our minds and not just tying half of it or throwing half of it away, but fully looking at all the evidence. Give us the courage to follow where the evidence leads, not where we hope it leads. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great week. I hope we see you again next week. And if you missed last week's message, go ahead and check it out online at yourcrosscreek.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.